Today on CityCast Philly, we're in the final days before the 2022 midterm election. But before you go to the polls or mail in your vote, we're going to break down some of the lesser known races and questions on your ballot this year. It's Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. I'm Trinae Nari, and this is CityCast Philly. CityCast Philly political contributor Denise Clay Murray, you've covered many, many Philadelphia elections. Does anything about this one feel special? Well, I don't know if it feels special as much as it feels like there seems to be a little bit more interest. Now, part of that is because of the bigger races, but there are some other little things going on, like in city council and and with all of our state um, reps and state senators are also up for election this time around. So there's a lot of reasons why people are paying a little bit more attention. I feel that. So today we're going to talk through the ballot and maybe, you know, less bigger races. Because like you said, a lot of people have, you know, their eyes and ears glued to the governor's race and the Senate race. Okay, let's start with ballot question one. And this is in reference to starting an aviation department. In a lot of ways, this is a long time coming because the airport, here's what people don't understand about Philadelphia International Airport. It's actually controlled not only by Philadelphia, despite the fact of having Philadelphia in the name, it's also um, Delaware County. So you have this um, airport that's actually divided in sections for both for both municipalities. I think what the the people who put this um, particular um, ballot question up on the ballot wanted to do was to kind of streamline Philadelphia's end of it. Because as the airport is managed now, it's managed by several different departments. And And that can be confusing, right? right? and, And it has been in the past. So I think what they want to do is have one department that takes care of everything to kind of streamline that process. And and, it, and on the one hand, it makes a lot of sense because a lot of the departments that are connected to the airport are also connected to other things like streets and, and, and different things like that, that are equally as important. And if you've ever been to Philadelphia International Airport, you know, it needs a lot of work. And because it needs a lot of work and, and there are still some things about it that, you know, drive people crazy when they go through it, it's probably a good idea to at least consider having one department where that's all they do. Now, on the other hand, by having it be just one department and that's all they do, um, the people who are working you know, on the airport now from the other different departments, they might feel like, okay, if you vote for this, I may be out of a job or I may have to go do something else or, or whatever. It's going to be interesting to see how to vote on this shakes out. Now, most of the ballot questions that are put on, at least for Philadelphia County, the people who put them on already kind of know how they're going, whether they're going to pass or not before they even make the ballot. Okay, so I would be I would be willing to um, bet that this is probably going to become an entity. How do they know if it's going to pass or not? Well, here's the thing 
about Philadelphia voting, and, and I'm sure that you've noticed it, and I'm sure that everybody else who's observed Philadelphia has noticed it. Most of the stuff that we have in terms of like elected officials and various things gets settled in the May primary. And that's because like the city has traditionally been democratic for several decades. <laughs> right. Overwhelmingly so. So the people who put ballot questions on, with very few exceptions, have already, you know, targeted a base of folks that they know will come out in support of this. And since a lot of the time when people vote, they forget that there are ballot questions on the ballot in the first place, they also have that to work with. Okay, let's move on to the second ballot question, actually. And this one is in regards to um, giving career and technical education graduates a leg up when applying for city jobs. First of all, Denise, what is a CTE program? Well, we used to call it VoTech when I was in school. Right, yeah, um, I remember that, yeah. And for some reason, somebody thought calling it vocational and technical wasn't good enough, and then all of a sudden it had to be career, technical education. It, it's it's the same thing as VoTech. It, it's basically you're in school and you're learning something that you can be licensed in when you walk out with your high school diploma, like, say, being a plumber or construction or becoming a hairdresser or any of those things that you don't necessarily need to go to college to study, but they're professions and they're things that if you know how to do them, you can make your way in the world. And this, the reason, because I was in city council when it was, um, when this particular ballot question was uh, allowed to be put on the ballot, I think that the reason for this particular ballot question is the fact that folks are tired of people being able to point out that Philadelphia is the poorest big city of its size in America. And they realize that there are a whole lot of people who, if they were able to have a leg up or, or have some sort of a preference in terms of getting a job, you know, it might help our poverty problem. It might help our gun violence problem. It might help a lot of problems. Add to this the fact that despite the best efforts of folks in recent years to better integrate our unions, um, our unions are still predominantly white and predominantly suburban. So this also gives folks in Philadelphia, like native Philadelphians who are predominantly black and brown, a chance to get access to jobs that they might not have been able to have access to in the past. There's also um, a side where veterans who have gotten special preference to city jobs, how do you think they feel about this potential change? Well, that was one of the things that was debated a lot in council. I mean, veterans preference is something that almost every municipality has in the country because you know, folks were coming home from the various wars and not being able to find work right away. And the veterans' preference isn't going to change because this preference may get adopted. It's just another preference because certain jobs require that you have a certain amount of experience, either through a, an internship program or some sort of um, a, apprenticeship or something. You know, and if you have that going for you, plus a veteran's preference, I don't think it's going to keep you from getting a job. 
All this does is make it so that young people who are just starting out actually have a shot at getting a job. I don't think this really hurts veterans all that much. Let's talk about the lieutenant governor's race. There are a lot of candidates up for that job. How much influence does the lieutenant governor have in the state? It depends on the governor. And I say that because some governors are a lot more willing to act as act as a team with their lieutenant governor than um, others have been. Like Right. And, and let's just clarify that the lieutenant governor, it's not like how a president chooses their vice president. So it's not like that. No. Although there is an, there is a amendment that will put a ballot question up um, that would make it so whoever is running for governor can pick a lieutenant governor candidate. Currently, that's not what happens. Lieutenant governor um, runs as his or her own candidate. And there have been occasions where we've come really close to having a governor from one party and a lieutenant governor from another, which has been... um, That could get messy, right? (laughs) Yes. Messy, chaotic, unintentionally hilarious, fill in the blank. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, Denise, anybody stand out from that group of uh, candidates? Well, Austin Davis is... and. Josh Shapiro has have actually been running like running mates. So that stands out to me because that very rarely happens. Even when our current Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman um, was running for Lieutenant Governor um, while um, Governor Tom Wolf was running for his second term, Wolf endorsed him, but they didn't do a whole lot of events together. So So this is, you know, this is really interesting to see how often when you see Josh Shapiro, you see Austin Davis. Now, Doug Mastriano hasn't even really run with any of the people who are running for lieutenant governor on the Republican side because his attitude has been, you know, unless you're willing to completely adhere to what I believe, I'm not going to put you out there. I'm not necessarily going to endorse you. I'm not going to unendorse you either, but I'm just not going to, I'm going to pretend you don't exist. And that's kind of how he's been running. And the Republican candidate for Lieutenant Governor is Representative Carrie Del Rosso, who, like you said, has not been endorsed by Mastriano. And Denise, before you go, Philadelphians have all these special elections on their ballots for city council because so many city council members have resigned recently to say, you know, they're going to make a run for mayor. There are two at-large seats that everyone in the city can vote for. And depending on what district you're in, there may be a special election on your ballot for a council member. What should people know about this? Well, for one thing, they should know that they're happening. Um, They haven't really been getting a whole lot of advertisement, um, because the ward leaders pick these candidates. And the ward leaders, for those who don't know, are the people who work with committee people and make sure that you know the voting machines are put together and that the um, and that everybody has what they need to vote. And they hold a lot of power. And you know, basically they chose who was going to run for these seats. Now, 
basically what these folks will be doing is filling the expired term of whoever it is that they're replacing. Like in the ninth district, it's Sherelle Parker. In the seventh, it's Maria Quinones Sanchez. And there are two at-large seats, one that used to be Derek Green's and one that used to be Alan Dobbs. And, you know, I interviewed one of those candidates for at-large, um, a woman named Sharon Vaughn, who used to be Derek Green's um, chief of staff. And one of the questions that I asked her was, you know, are you intending to run in 2023? And she said no. And you'll find that a lot of these candidates are probably not going to run for these council seats in 2023. So what the voters should know about these folks and what they should be trying to find out is what are you going to do for that year you're in office? If you do decide to run again, what do you, you know, plan to continue? What of your predecessor are you going to, you know, utilize to, you know, continue their work in the district if you thought it was good or to not continue it if you didn't think it was good? And, you know, I'm already hearing from people who are talking about running for city council at large next year. So while this ballot's going to have some special election things on it, the ballot May, it, May 2023 is going to be nuts. CityCast Philly political contributor Denise Clay Murray, thanks as always for being here on CityCast Philly. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Keep up with Denise on the Philadelphia Hall Monitor, Philly Cam, and on Twitter. We'll have links in our show notes. And here's what else Philly's talking about. Speaking of elections, based on early voting data, more than 700,000 people in Pennsylvania have already voted in the midterm election. According to the Philadelphia Voice, early voting is really popular among registered Democrats and senior citizens. On the other hand, young adults have been less likely to send mail-in ballots. A recent study from Drexel University shows that Philly's Indigo Bike Share Program got more people physically active. According to Plan Philly, the study tracked over 1,000 bike share members and found that over time, people were cycling for an average of 20 minutes per day. And because of the rain on Monday, the World Series games have been pushed back, but that hasn't stopped some local businesses from making Philly's themed food. All right, here's what's on the menu. Federal Donuts whipped up some Bryce Harper-themed treats. They're called Bryce Crispy Treats. I think that's funny. Which features a classic spice cake donut topped with red marshmallow glaze, some homemade Rice crispy treats, and of course, a marshmallow drizzle. McGillin's has a red beer in honor of our fills, and Milk Boy is serving Red October cheesesteaks. Yes, they are these limited edition 24-inch sandwiches with hot aioli, provolone cheese, and pickled jalapenos. Woo! And that's all for today here on CityCast Philly. All that food is making me so hungry. But before I go and grab a snack, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. Tell a friend, rate the show, leave a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. And our outro. <laughs> Why did I say it like that? Oh, God.